Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're thrilled that you're here, excited for this morning. We're kicking off a new series uh, called Never Regret. And I want to tell you where this series came from, where this title uh, came from. And it was it came from an early morning workout with my buddy. Uh, last fall, we started working out together Monday, Wednesday, Friday um, at 5.45 a.m. Hello, that is early. And one particular week, one of us couldn't make the Friday option. And I don't remember which one of us couldn't make it, probably me. And so he says, well, I'm a part of this other gym that does interval training. Why don't we work out there um, Saturday morning? Now, what you need to know is my alarm is set Sunday through Friday at 5 a.m., Sunday through Friday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 a.m. I have to get up. I get up, and it's great. Saturday, I do not set my alarm. It is the only day of the week my alarm is not set, and I cherish that. I love that. There's something so beautiful about not having the pressure to get up. Even if I don't sleep in, going to bed that night knowing that my alarm will not go off. And so, as he suggested Saturday morning, I remember thinking to myself, Saturday morning, huh, that sounds terrible. But what came out of my mouth, for a number of reasons, one, because I'm highly competitive and I always want to win, was, that sounds great. See you there, Saturday morning, 6 a.m., be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And then I immediately regretted that next comment. I'm like, who says that anymore? <laughs> and so Saturday morning comes. I had to get there a half an hour early because I'm new to this particular gym. And they showed me around, got me all set up. And he shows up. And I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? Trying to pretend like I'm like, all right, let's do this, you know? And so it's this interval training. And we start off on the treadmill. And you're doing these just different uh, intervals on that. And then you go to the row machine. And then there's the floor uh, strength kind of deal. And then you repeat. And then you repeat it again. And I remember starting it going, what in the world are we doing? I could be in bed right now. I am tired. And then halfway through, I actually got concerned. I'm not so sure I can finish this workout. Being highly competitive, there's nothing worse than not finishing the workout and your buddy keep going. So I'm pushing as hard as I can, but I don't even know how long this thing is. I don't know if it's 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half. And I'm looking at the clock going, do we have another circuit? Because, oh, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. However, about halfway through, we're on the treadmill and we're doing these sprints. And I remember thinking this, you know, I, I actually never regret working out. I, it's really suck getting up early and, and it's been really hard the whole way through, but I, I just never regret. I never get done with a workout and go, man, that was a waste of time. I never get done with the workout and go, I wish I didn't do that. I, you know, I just never regret working out. If you go for a run and go, I can be on the run the entire way fighting with myself going, this is stupid. You should stop. But in my mind goes, keep going, keep going. You can do it. And then I finish it. And you know what I say to myself, of course, 
I'm so glad I did that. Like the minute you get done, you're like, oh man, I'm glad I did that. I just never regret that. And what's true, and you've experienced it, and you know this, and I've experienced it and know this, that there are certain activities in our life, certain habits in our life that are difficult on the front end, that are hard, and yet afterwards, we just never regret doing them. There's just certain things, certain habits, and certain activities that you go, man, I don't want to do it. I don't feel like doing it. In fact, there's a lot of things I would rather be doing. However, the minute you finish those activities, you go, man, I'm so glad that I did. In this series, we're going to be talking about specific areas and habits that you never regret. Next week, we're going to talk about the area of grub. (laughs) Now, I never regret eating healthy, although I'm not a big healthy eater. I have to work hard at it. Some, some hard at it. Some of you love eating um, celery, and that's cool for you. Um, I love real food. <laughs> Next week, even though the title is Grub, it's actually not about eating healthy. It's going to be great. You don't want to miss it, but you won't regret. You will regret it if you do miss it. Okay. And then the week after, we're going to talk about Groove. And this is one of the sermons that I'm most excited about because this is the most often conversation I have with people when talking about their life, sitting across from a coffee table or a lunch or some sort of session that I'm sitting across with people that I've never taught on. But I have this conversation tons of times about um, how to your rhythm for life. And then we're going to finish up the series uh, and we're calling it game. Yes, we went with a G theme. And I know that's kind of lame, so get over it, whatever, all right? But we did, game. But here's what's fun is uh, my buddy Eric Frampton, who's in the NFL seven years, uh, he's going to, on Super Bowl Sunday, come here and talk about uh, what, you know, things are part of the game, of playing the game of football and being a follower of Jesus at the same time that he never regretted. And so we'll talk about that. So that's Super Bowl Sunday. That will be a blast. This morning, however, I want to lay the foundation for us. For, uh, and really, maybe said another way, I, I want to give the secret to a life that you never regret. I mean, just imagine. Imagine what it would look like to live this year in a way that you'll never regret. And w- this morning, we want to talk about, okay, what is the secret to that? In fact, the secret isn't all that... Um, Secret, it's quite unremarkable. The secret to living out your God-given potential, the secret to living out a life that you never regret, can be summed up in a single word called grit. Grit. Grit is the ability to endure short-term pain in order to experience long-term gain. Grit. It's this perseverance. It's this tenacity. It's to do the hard thing when you don't want to do it. It is the delayed gratification because you have a long-term goal. It's to see the long run instead of just the short term. Psychologist uh, Angela Duckworth wrote a great book. Any readers in here? Anybody readers? Okay, a few of you. Yes, I love you. I love the rest of you too, but um, I love you readers. I I love to read. Uh, She wrote a great book entitled Grit. If you want to read it, it's in your further resources page uh, as well to kind of 
on your own, but this was such a great book. I love it. And she talks about it as grit as the power of both passion and perseverance. In it, she did this exhaustive research on why some people accomplish more than others. You ever wonder that? You ever look around and wonder, why is it that some people seem to accomplish more? Why some people are more successful than others? And most often we attribute their success, their accomplishment to their gifting, to their talents, maybe to their IQ or their circumstance. And in her research, she says, well, all those things are good, not negating those things. The common denominator for why people, some people accomplish more than others is this idea of grit, the ability to endure short-term pain in order to experience long-term gain. Now, even though this is a New York Times best-selling book, this isn't a new idea. In fact, a couple thousand years ago, the authors of the New Testament wrote about this idea of grit. The author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, this is how the Bible would define grit. The author of Hebrews would say this, No discipline, whether from a coach or a parent or your own personal self-discipline, no discipline is what? Help me out. Pleasant. Okay, we're going to try the next. I'm going to have you help me out a little bit later, and we'll see how we go right there. No discipline is pleasant. It's not like, whoa, I love waking up early and working out. Some of you do, and you're gluttons for punishment. That's cool. But most of us don't, okay? No discipline is pleasant, but help me out. Painful. Painful. It hurts. It's hard. No discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, key word there, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So when I was in high school, my dad wrote up a three by five card with this verse on it. I just want you to know that I wasn't always a gritty person and that this isn't one of those things that come naturally to me. In fact, I was one of the best procrastinators on the face of the planet. If you think you can procrastinate, procrastinate, I could do it better. I'm telling you, I was good at it. Really stressful way to live, but I was good at it. So my dad's going like, okay, I got this son. I think he's got a lot of potential. I don't want him to waste his potential. And so on it, he put this three-by-five card with Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. You can tell I have memorized this verse. And then he gave me his definition of grit, his definition of self-discipline. His self-discipline, he would say, is doing what needs to be done. When it needs to be done, regardless of how you feel. That's grit. Short-term pain in order to experience long-term gain. Doing what needs to be done in the moment. Okay, this is when it needs to get done. In fact, I've done this so much, like I don't, with my kids, I ha, I, that when it needs to get done, and I'm trying to help them develop it, uh, here's the, what we say in our house with our kids. Don't delay what you can do today. When, when it needs to be done, well, I can put it off. No, 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 don't delay. Don't delay. Get the hard stuff done first. Doing what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, regardless of how you feel about it. Here's the difference. Gritty people, it's not that they, don't, they feel like, oh, I really want to do this. They do it regardless of how they feel. It's hard. I'm going to get up and do that. 
I'm going to work out. I'm going to, I'm going to spend time with my family. You never regret spending quality time with your family. I'm going to spend time with God. You never regret spending quality time with family, with God. I'm, I'm going to, you fill in the blank. What does it do? You're inevitably going to have times when you go, man, I don't feel like it. Grit is the ability to endure short-term pain in order to experience long-term gain. Now, here's why this is so important and why we're starting here. Who you long to be, the impact you long to have, perhaps the relationships you hope for, the marriage you long for, the dreams and desires on your heart all hinge upon Delayed gratification, short-term pain, self-discipline, perseverance, said in a word, grit. So what I want to do with the remainder of our time is talk, one, about the challenge of grit, why this is hard for us, and then how you can grow in grit. In Angela Duckworth's research, it says that, that some people do have a natural tendency towards being more gritty than others, but you can actually grow in grit. The New Testament tells us that we have a God who is fundamentally about helping us transform into the likeness of his son. And so, yes, though you may, like me, walk in and go, um, um, I'm not naturally gritty. I'm not naturally perseverant. I, I don't know about this. In fact, let me tell you a quick story about my, like, grit level threshold. I didn't tell the first service. This is just for you. Um, in sixth grade, I ran track. It's the only year I ever ran track. And I, I remember the day of, the coach asked me, saying, hey, will you run the 800 relay and here I am, this prepuscent, like, uh, sixth-grade boy uh, with these mountains of men. They looked like eighth-grade boys. And I'm supposed to run the 800. And I remember taking off as fast as I could. And I kept up with them in the straightaway. And then as the turn, they began to pull out in front of me. So by the time I got around the first turn, they were hitting the second turn. So by the time I hit the second turn, I looked at they had already crossed one lap. Now, I'm on the far side of the field. There are no stands. People are far, far away from me. And so as a sixth grade boy, I don't know where this thought came to myself. I said, this is hard. This is not fun. I, being highly competitive even then, I hate losing. And so this is what I did. I'm, I'm sorry. This is so lame. You're going to think less of me, but that's okay. I literally, on the far side of the field, faked a fall. I faked a fall. I, like, literally tried to make myself roll my ankle, fell down, tried to get as dirty as I can, and then did this, walking into the finish line, you know? And the guys were like, how'd it go? Where are you? And I'm like, I rolled my ankle. And then later that day, I'm in the middle of the field, icing my ankle, a perfectly good ankle. You know what's funny? And we've all had different instances like that. I still think about that and regret it. I just wonder, man, you know what? Who cares if you finish, like, lapped and lapped and lapped again? You finished the race. You stuck with it. And so if you're here and you're going like, man, I'm not real gritty. 
I, you're, you're listening to someone who can identify, who's been there. And by the way, I've seen God grow it in me. And so we're going to talk about the challenge of grit and then how to grow in grit. Okay, the challenge of grit first is it simply is not fun. Remember from our passage, no discipline is pleasant, painful. It's not fun. It's not easy. You never feel like it. If you wait until you feel like it, you never will for many of us. It is not fun. And then when you feel like it, you start doing it and you realize, well, I didn't really feel like it. That was a false feeling. I'm going to stop because it's not fun. It's hard. It's difficult. Next challenge is often we want the end product without the process. This is true across our culture. We want the end product without going through the process. And for many of us, we settle for shortcut to success. This is why, and don't, don't raise your hands if you did this. If you made a health goal to lose weight, you ate healthy for one day, you worked out that day, and then immediately went to the scale. waste of time. (laughs) Right? Because we want immediate results. Remember the text said later on. By the way, we have a God who is a God of the process. If you're not willing to go through the process, you will not experience his good for your life because he is forging your character in the process so that you can experience a productive, fruitful life. But we often want the end product without the process. And third challenge to grit is having a fixed mindset instead of a growth mindset. (laughs) Fixed mindset instead of a growth mindset. Did you notice that at the end of our text here, it said we'll produce a harvest. It produces something. Like that, that discipline produces something. But how? For those who have been trained by it. Like training's required. We often try hard, quit, and fail. It says, no, no, there's this training. There's this training. There's this training. Now, the way we think often impacts how we go into training. Uh, another psychologist, Carol Duick, wrote this book entitled uh, Mindset. Great book if you want to pick it up. And says there's fundamentally two mindsets uh, in how we approach life. One is the fixed mindset. The other is the growth mindset. Now, we, you can go between either one of these mindsets. You're not stuck in one certain mindset. Fixed mindset is really what I call, you can't teach an old dog new tricks mindset. It's just we begin to think life that this is who I am. This is how I am. This is the way life is. These are the cards I got dealt. This is a fixed mindset. You just can't teach an old dog new tricks. This is the way life is. And you have this fixed mindset about who you are and how life is around you. And what often happens in a fixed mindset is we begin to blame others and the world around us for where we're at instead of taking responsibility to change and grow. Right? So we begin to blame, you know what? If only I had a different set of circumstances. If only I had a different spouse. If if only I had a different job. If if only I had a higher IQ. If only I was more charismatic like him. And that's what we begin to do in this fixed mindset. We begin to blame those outside of us. The second mindset then is a growth mindset. We move from an old dog, new tricks to um, the little engine that could. Remember that book, The Little Engine That Could? Any of you? No. Okay. Do I have to tell the whole story? Okay. We got, some of you didn't grow up with this, and you need this. So there's this little engine. 
that could. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But there's this, okay, it's the, it, fundamental to this little engine was this thought process that had to take this big load up. And I have to explain it for those of you who already know it because I got so many blank stairs over here. I got it, okay? <laughs> that had to bring this big load up this hill, this mountain. And yes, I, I'm from Texas, so I say hill. Um, up this mountain. And he couldn't do it. And then he would try it again. And his mindset is, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And he tried, and he failed, and he tried, and he failed, and he tried, and he failed, and then he tried, and he what? He finally made it, right. And that's the growth mindset, is though I cannot do it today, I can train today so that I can do it tomorrow. Though I cannot do it today, though I may not be able to change today, I can train and begin to grow. I can slowly take steps to grow and become and accomplish and achieve tomorrow. That is the growth mindset. And so often we suffer from a fixed mindset. This is who I am, how I am, instead of a growth mindset. That is the challenge of grit. So how do you then grow in grit? If it is that important... If your future depends on it, if the impact you long if the, to have depends on it, if the dreams and desires of your heart hang with this idea of grit, how do you grow in grit? Well, a few verses earlier, Hebrews uh, 1 through 3, then tells us how we grow in grit. I actually got just five steps for us this morning and how to grow in grit, that you can begin to take steps in becoming a more gritty person. Step one to growing in grit is realize you have an audience. You're like, I didn't think that was the first step. Well, it is. It's funny because we spend so much time in our world today trying to get an audience, don't we? Try, we spend so much effort trying to get that picture just right so we'll get so many likes and we get an audience. We try to get so much into how we shape these different things that we represent and present ourselves with to get followers and fans and likes and and we kind of live for those things the bible says you got to realize you already have an audience therefore since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses now we're reading through the Old Testament as a church. If you haven't started, dive in with us. You can pick up one of the pamphlets in the back to stick with us. Um, but let me give you a little Bible study skill. Like this is when you see this word, this is what you do. Every time you see a therefore in the Bible, you ask this question. Anybody? What's it therefore? Yeah, every time you see a therefore, you ask what is it Therefore, so therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, well, what is it there for? Well, chapter 11. Chapter 11, I encourage you to go read it. It's what's known as the Hall of Faith. These incredible, gritty men and women who walked and followed God. Therefore, in view of Abel, in view of Enoch, in view of Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, in view of Moses, in, in view of Rahab, in view of Daniel and Samuel, in view of the prophets, in view of all of that, and goes through this list. In light of that, therefore, since you are surrounded, 
And the picture is the picture of the Roman games and as a runner, a long distance runner, and by the way, the Christian faith is a long distance run, not a sprint. This is a picture of a long distance runner having run the race, coming into the Colosseum, and the whole crowd is cheering them on as they come across the finish line. That is the picture of this verse. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... That the heroes of the faith, think about this, men and women, the heroes of the faith are currently cheering you on. You're, you are surrounded by God. There's people that are going, yeah, we ran the race, we've, we've put in our time, and now we're your fans. And in, if you're reading with us, what you'll find is we don't have perfect heroes of the faith. We have imperfect heroes of the faith. Hebrews 11 shows the highlights. You read through it and you realize, man, they made mistakes. They blew it. They did some really idiotic and dumb things, and God chose to use them, and he'll choose to use you too. You are surrounded by God, that you already have an audience. And so you are not alone. You may feel alone, especially in your pursuit to follow Jesus. You may feel alone. You might feel on your own. And what we need to embrace and realize is you already have an audience, All of heaven is cheering you on. Now, I don't know if you have this in your life. I certainly hope you do. There are a few people in my life that when I'm around them, I just want to be a better man. There's just a handful of people that that when I hang out with them, I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. My faith in Jesus is spurred on. Like, I just want to be a better man. And the truth of the matter is, we, we get this, that we rise or we stoop to the people we surround ourselves with. We, we either move up to the level that they are or we move down to the level that they are. And one of the questions and one of the application questions in Growing and Grid is who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with? Have you surrounded yourself with people who, who challenge you, who motivate, who inspire you to be a better person, to follow hard after Jesus? I mean, that's why we do missional communities, by the way. To be in community of others that aren't perfect, no, that are growing closer, uh, growing together to become more like Jesus. First step in realizing, in growing in grit is realize you have an audience. Second step is embrace you will have obstacles. Embrace you'll have obstacles. So often, time, so often we subtly come to believe that the Christian life should be easy. If we're doing it right, it should be convenient. It should be easy. There shouldn't, the American dream, man, everything's perfect. You'll have obstacles. I, I don't want you to miss out on this. And for some, this is what you needed to hear this morning. That, that you're going to have face obstacles. Let us throw off everything that hinders So there's going to be things that are going to pop up on your race, on your run, that will hinder you. And let us, and the sin that is so easily entangles us. Let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Therefore, okay, let's catch up. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we have an audience, we have heaven cheering, 
Embrace, you're going to have obstacles. I'm going to have obstacles. Let us throw off everything that hinders. That's external factors that come along our way. And the sin that so easily entangles us. That's internal world that rages against and pulls us away from who we want to be and who God has made us to be. And so embracing, you know what? Okay, this is going to be hard. There's going to be things that I have to say no to. Now, when I come to this, and I, especially talking about maybe uh, things that are hindering or tripping you up and tripping me up, the response I get a lot of time is, okay, this is hard. This is uncomfortable. But lately, the most common response is, no, 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 this is, this is not natural. That uh, I, I shouldn't have to change or adjust who I am. We, we say things culturally like this, you should just accept me for who I am. Right? Just, just me. Now, here's the deal. No, no, no. Love doesn't, love meets you where you're at. Love doesn't leave you where you're at. And if we just accept you where you're at, then all we do is say, well, that's the best you can do. Well, I got news for you. Jesus has bigger dreams for you. And you settle for less. Well, it's not natural. Throwing off, whatever hinders, that sounds hard. Sin that tangles, that means I got to adjust me. You're right. It's called Repentance. It's called, I went going this way, realize I'm going the wrong way. I'm going to follow hard after Christ. Um, I, my, all three of my kids are playing basketball right now. And it's a blast because basketball is my game. Grew up playing it. I mean, my dad's a basketball fanatic. I grew up playing it, basketball fanatic. Now, as I'm teaching my kids, uh, one of the basic skills is just simply a layup. And so as I'm teaching a layup, anybody know what leg you jump of for a layup? For a right-handed layup, that is, sorry. Right-handed, help me out. Left, left. yeah, left. So, you know, you, for those of you who don't know, you come up to the floor, you plant left foot, swing this foot up, right? Get your, whoa, layup. That's Steph Curry right there. <laughs> My kids, who are right-handed and happen to be right-footed, do you know what foot they most naturally jump off of? Their right foot. Nothing is more awkward in the world if you've ever seen a kid run and do this. <laughs> All right? It is the most awkward, ugly-looking thing. But don't miss this. It's natural. It's natural. It's what comes most naturally to them. See, some of the things that come most naturally to you will hinder you from what God longs for you. See, Here's what he's saying. Embrace, you'll have obstacles. And so you have to go, okay, it's going to be hard. Is there anything hindering my life? And yes, there's training. You know what I told my son, Miles? Because he said this. He's like, Dad, it's most natural. I said, son, I get that. I get that. But as you keep doing this over and over, soon enough, it will feel and become more natural. And then it will become second nature. See, that's the point here. Embrace, you'll have obstacles. Is there anything hindering or tripping me up? And you got to embrace, okay, God, you get to call what is right, not me. You get to call the way the game is played and what is the best way. 
way, not me. And even when it feels unnatural, I'm going to align my life to what you say is true, not what I desire to be true. Growing in grit, realize you have an audience. Step two, embrace you will have obstacles. Step three, start running. Sit. Start running. Get moving. Take a step forward. Do something. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us, help me out, run. Like I tell my kids, don't delay what you can do today. I don't feel like it right now. I got you. I'm planning on doing it tomorrow. Why not now? Start running. Well, you know what? When I graduate college, then I'm going to get serious about my faith. Well, when I start a family, then I'm actually going to start this. When I get married, why not just start running now? Let us run. How? With perseverance. It's a Greek word, hupomeno. It literally means um, uh, remaining under pressure. It's the Greek word for grit. That's what it is. It's the Greek word for grit. It is to remain under the pressure. Why? Because it's in the pressure, like a lifter, when they remain under the pressure, that develops the muscle for them to do later what they could not do in that moment. Therefore, run. Let us run with perseverance. Now, here's really good news. The race marked out for us. Think about this. God has marked a race out for you. Some of you wrestling with your future right now. God's already marked out the race. Your job is not to define the race or figure out the race. Your job is to run the race God marked out for you. Well, how do I run the race God has marked out for me, Ingram? Thank you very much. That's what I want to know. Is there going to be like this lightning bolt and I'm going to have a dream? I mean, like as I step, is there going to be like stuff illuminated in front of me? And I'm like, oh, there's the race. That's the race. I see it. Oh, I take this step. No, here's how you run the race marked out for you. Set your focus on Jesus. That's it. Set your focus, your gaze, your aim, the direction of your life, all the totality of your being. Set your focus on Jesus. Run the race marked out for you. How? Fixing your eyes. Literally, that word means to take your eyes off everything else and fix them completely on something. That you set your gaze. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Now, here's something cool. The author... That means he's the starting point of the race. He's the originator. He's the founder. That, that Jesus is the, as the starting line. This is where we begin in the faith, and we begin with Jesus. We begin the race with Jesus. He is the author, and then he's the perfecter. That means he's the finish line. And so we begin with Jesus at the running, and we're keeping him focused because he's the finish line. It's all about Jesus. It's all for Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. This life and all that we experience is all about him. So finally, if we want to run the race marked out for us, become who God made us, it's got, our lives got to be all about Jesus. Who, huh, for the joy set before him endured the cross. 
Did you ever wonder how Jesus endured the cross? I mean, Jesus, fully man, fully God, think about this. Jesus at any moment could have gotten off that cross. He wasn't there because a man put him there. He was there because he chose to be there. Jesus, who endured suffering and pain, oh my gosh. Because the pain of the cross wasn't simply the nails in his hands. It was the full weight of sin uh, from the, of, of humanity being placed upon him. Him be, becoming once fully the oneness of the Godhead now being divided because of the full consequences of our sin placed upon him. That he would declare in a cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Don't miss this. He could have got off the cross at any point. And he did not. And here's the reason why. Who for the joy set before him. You know what the joy set before Jesus was? You. You. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. I've been running from God. I get it. You're still the joy set before him. No, no, no. You don't know where I've been, what I've done, what's going on. Jesus said, the reason and the way I endured this pain, you were my long-term gain. You are the joy set before me. You are the object of my affection, no matter where you've been, what you've done, and what's going on. Present tense. You are my joy. And so, growing in grit, realize you have an audience. Embrace, you will have obstacles. Start running. Take the next step. Step four, set your focus on Jesus. Now, when you get discouraged, and you will, when you allow the obstacles to hinder you, and they will, when you feel defeated, and there will be those moments, when discouraged, repeat. Repeat step one, step two, Step three, step four, repeat. Would you realize and remember you have an audience? You are not alone and you are not on your own. Would you then embrace, okay, there's going to be obstacles, so I'm not expecting it to be easy. I'm going to expect there's going to be times when I don't feel like it or want to, and so I'm going to go, you know what, God, would you give me the grace to push through here? I'm going to take the next step, and I'm trusting you to give me the grace and strength to do just that, and so today I'm going to take a step towards you. I'm going to take a step towards Jesus. Today I'm fixing my gaze on you, Jesus. Would you overwhelm me with your love? Would you sink in deep into my soul that I am the object and affection of the God most high, that I am your joy? Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, this weekend, we celebrate the impact and life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Now, imagine 
if Dr. King stopped short of running the race marked out for him. Imagine if he was on the far side of the field, far away from where the stands were, and he decided just to throw the race and pretend like he fell and limped in. Imagine if he stopped when the going got tough and the battle raged fierce. Imagine if when the race looked unwinnable, he quit. 1955, King led and spearheaded the bus boycott. We all remember Rosa Park. That bus boycott, by the way, I don't know if you realize this, lasted 382 days. 382 days in Montgomery, Alabama, men and women forwent, forgotten, forgone, forgone, yeah, for huh? Forwent. I had it right the first time? Okay. The ability to ride on a bus to their workplace, they carpooled, they walked miles. It was an added stress and strain. During those 382 days, King's own house was attacked. Imagine, it was too much. It's too hard. And I just wonder, they had no idea in the moment if it was going to be successful. One month, two months, three months, four months. Imagine if they stopped at 381 days. Imagine while Dr. King was sitting in a Birmingham jail, he decided to roll over and call it quits instead of writing his now famous letters from a Birmingham jail. That was a call to action from his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Imagine if he never decided to go down to Selma. Selma, by the way, was the turning point in the civil rights movement. If that didn't happen, all their efforts most certainly would have been lost. But it was what happened in Selma and the coverage that they got that then showed the rest of the country and I dare say the world the atrocities that were happening in Alabama. And imagine if he never marched on Washington and we didn't hear the most incredible speech, I have a dream. Imagine if Dr. King stopped short of running the race marked out for him. Now, what's at stake? (laughs) What hangs in the balance? You could never know what's at stake and what hangs in the balance for when you stop short. If you stop short of running the race marked out for you, God has an incredible plan for your life, and he longs to use your life in ways that you could never dream of. However, grit, short-term pain, in order to experience long-term gain, doing what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, regardless of how you feel, is the secret to experiencing just that. King wrote this. He said that the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at the times of challenge and controversy. Therefore, since we are surrounded 
by such a great cloud of witnesses. It's true today, true for you. Let us throw off everything that hinders friends, men and women. And sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him, you are his joy. Endured the cross, scorned in its shame. Sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When you get tired, when you get discouraged, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. So that you will not grow weary and give You'll never regret. You'll never regret fixing your eyes off Jesus. Ever. You'll never regret surrounding yourself with great people. You'll never regret throwing off stuff that's holding you back. You'll never regret. As we close, I think there's two responses. There's many, and I gave you questions just to wrestle with and write down on your own process. But Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for some today, it is the invitation and opportunity to step into a relationship with Jesus. Where you had no idea that the God of the universe, you never knew that he considered you his joy, that he longs to have a relationship with you, and that when you step by faith and say, Jesus, I believe you came for me, you died for me, you rose again to new life, that I might have life. When you put your faith, he is the starting point of this journey. And for some, you need to step today. The Spirit of God is wooing you. You're like, I just feel so drawn That's not me. That's not good speaking. That is the Spirit of God. And you respond and go, okay, God, I want to have a relationship with you. Would you come into my life and make me new? For others, the second part is he's the perfecter. He's the finish line. And where you'd say, okay, you know what? (laughs) My my view has been distracted. Okay. Okay. I'm going to set my gaze. I've I got to reset my gaze on Jesus. I'm going to reset my gaze on you. God, would you give me the grace to set you as the finish line and point of my life? Would you pray with me as we close? If you're here this morning and you long to start a relationship with the God of the universe who loves you, the God who came for you, the God who died for you, the God who rose back to new life, that you might experience life. just invite you to pray after me this simple prayer. Really, it's just a conversation with God. Dear Jesus, would you please forgive me? I've been doing my life my way, and I'm tired of it. Today, I want to start a relationship with you. I believe you are the Son of God. That you came, lived a perfect life, died for me. I believe that you rose again 
that I might have new life. And so, God, would you come into my life? I give you my life, trusting that you would give me a new life in return. And for others this morning, 2017 is going to be a great year for you. And it's the call to set Jesus as the finish line of your life. You have lots of finish lines that you set out, maybe for business or for relationship, and you go, you know what, everything else, God, I want to supersede. You are the point of my life. You are the purpose of my life. And so today, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. I've made you Savior, but I've never made you Master. Have your way in me. Would you give me the grace to follow you, to keep my eyes focused on you. In Jesus' name, amen.